Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all moms and moms-to-be and godmothers and grandmoms and all the women in our lives who nurture us every day. Just two weeks ago, the World Health Organization said that COVID-19 is no longer qualifying as a global emergency. It's making a symbolic end to the devastating coronavirus pandemic that triggered three years of unthinkable lockdowns, divided this country, upended economies, and killed more than 7 million people worldwide. However, on the heels of this good news, our Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, just released an 81-page document stating that the new current number one epidemic in our country today is loneliness. Nearly half of all adults in the U.S. report feelings of loneliness. But the epidemic hits our young people ages 15 to 24 especially hard, an age group that reported a 70% drop in time spent with friends. What's more shocking is these statistics I just gave you that were compiled before the COVID outbreak. Thus, the crisis simply worsened what was already present. When the shutdown caused schools and workplaces to shut their doors, sending most Americans to isolate at home, away from relatives, away from friends. In a recent interview last week, Murthy said, we now know that loneliness is a common feeling that many people experience. It's like hunger or thirst. It's a feeling the body sends us when something we need for survival is missing. Research shows that Americans have become less engaged in houses of worship, coming to church, community organizations, or even with their own family members, have steadily reported an increase in feeling lonely. This early 2020 data shows that Americans spent about 20 minutes a day in person with friends just before COVID, and that was down from 60 minutes 20 years earlier. One study cited the report found that people who use social media for two hours or more daily were more than twice as likely to report feeling socially isolated than those who were using such apps for 30 minutes or less a day. Thus, it would seem that the technology which was supposed to build connections in many cases had led us, has led us in the opposite direction. Resulting loneliness is behind our outbreaks of suicide and drug abuse and alcohol abuse. It's no wonder why so far this year there have been over 203 mass shootings, a number higher than any other year at this point in time. So you may be sitting there and asking yourself, so what does this have to do with today's gospel reading? Well, today's gospel picks up where we left off last weekend. It's in the middle of John's 14th chapter, which is better known as the Last Supper Discourse. And what we see in this gospel is unlike the other gospel writers. See, John doesn't write about the actual events of the Last Supper, of the breaking and the blessing and the distribution of the bread and the distribution of the cup. Instead, he talks about connections, relationships, of being in communion versus just going to communion. And that the Trinity is a model for how we're to enter into this relationship. 
But the language of the text that we just heard from John is all about Trinitarian relationship and more importantly, our place within it. When we just read, I am in my Father and you are in me and I in you. And my Father will give you the Spirit who remains with you and will be in you. Since that gospel was penned over the centuries, countless volumes have been written on this doctrine of three beings and one God. Hindered by the use of language, we've been relegated to use metaphors to try to describe the Trinity. Perhaps the best invitation, the one I like the most, is the one we were given by theologians, is for us to stop looking at God as a noun, but consider God as a verb. For it was in the third century that the Greek fathers used the word perichoresis to explain the Trinity. And the best translation for that Greek word is dancing. The way the early Christians looked at the three persons in God is that whatever's going on in God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's like a dance. And God's not the dancer, rather God's the dance itself. It's an infinite current of love flowing without ceasing, gliding from Father to Son to Spirit and back to Father in one timeless happening. And it's we, all of us, who are invited to that circular flow. See, the flow is always there. The invitation is always present. It's never earned. And we are awakened to this flow at the very beginning of our Christian life when the baptismal waters are poured over our head while the minister intones the Trinitarian blessing of Father, Son, and Spirit. The challenge is just about all of us are too young to remember that. That's why we use water so much in our sacramental life, to remind us of our baptism, to remind us of our connection to God and to each other. But more importantly, we need to be reminding each other and our children and our grandchildren that our baptism calls, us to, calls for us to show up and to respond to this invitation to enter the dance, to be aware that we're all part of this trinity. But unfortunately, somewhere along the line, many of us get hung up on this performance for reward or this worthiness motto of theology of trying to earn God's love. And the only way to know the ever-presence of the divine love is to fully surrender to the flow. I found it interesting to see how the Surgeon General, a person who holds a high governmental office, spoke with ease and dignity about love. And he came to a similar conclusion. In addressing this loneliness epidemic, he stated, we need to foster healthy social connections where our sons and daughters need to know how to give and to receive love or in the words I just used, to enter the Trinitarian flow. In a recent interview Murthy did with Krista Tibbet, he gave four recommendations on how best to address this latest epidemic. So using a bit of poetic license and a wisdom from John's Gospel, here's my tweaked versions of his recommendations. One, each day make some time for silence. It's a time when we allow the noise to settle and we're open to the flow of God's love. See, that's really what Sabbath time really means. It's 
a time for yourself when you're not creating, not judging, rather you're just still. Two, each day, make some time to connect with someone you care about. Perhaps it's a call or a text or an email, God forbid even a handwritten note if you remember how to do that. But look to rebuild healthy connections to other people. Three, give people your full attention. You know, we're so distracted with the technology around us and with these iPhones and cell phones and we barely are listening with one ear. Rather, we need to listen to each other's voice. We need to entertain being a guest in each other's life to show others that they matter to you. And lastly, find opportunities to serve others. See, when we help others, we reaffirm ourselves and we build kinship, recognizing that even a small actions can indeed be very powerful. In short, as we continue to celebrate Easter and the resurrection of Christ, we need to go forward from here and continue to practice resurrection, where instead of focusing on judgment of others, we look for the transformation of our own heart and soul so that we can easily enter the divine flow and open our eyes to indeed the Christ-soaked world in which we live in. Resurrection of the dead and the life of